Welcome to Behind the Flag Podcast, sponsored by Get It Right Enterprises. Come on, join the crew and take the field during Friday Night Lights. We will learn from experienced guest presenters and mentors that will help you become a better football official, providing the tools to put you in the correct position to make the right call. Raise your officiating knowledge and strive to become the best football official and expert in National Federation High School rules. Learn the art of film breakdown, mechanics, and philosophies. You know, every year we have an entire off-season to get prepared. But in-season, you only have one chance to get it right. What's up, Dennis? What's going on, man? Good. How are you? Real good. Some good football we saw this last weekend. Yeah, it was. Even though we were on the sidelines, it was. It was uh, nice to watch uh, the other officials from other regions come into town and uh, all the big 6A game. All the testing, all the mechanics, it all comes to a head in state championship games, and I thought they did an excellent job. Yeah, it was a, it was a long season. But it went by fast, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Hopefully, Zach will agree it was good officiating and good play. Yeah, and so uh, today on Behind the Flag uh, podcast is the NMOA Commissioner of Officials, Zach Stevenson. Uh, we're still trying to get to know the gentleman. Uh, we've had quite a few talks with him offline, and uh, we welcomed him when he first got here, but uh, again, welcome to New Mexico and uh, our football association. Guys, thank you for having me. Uh, You know, my first impression of uh, New Mexico officiating uh, was you guys listening to your podcast. So uh, when you say that it gets out there and it gets out around the country, that's, that's the truth. I listened to you from a couple thousand miles away before I got here and I got to tell you, uh, Saturday with 60-degree weather and sunshine and a blue sky, and uh, what better guys to be hanging out with than, uh, than the two of you and some of our other uh, colleagues from uh, from our central region watching one heck of a football game on Saturday. And, uh, you know, where it is from our, our other NMA staff, that it was the same setting at, at our other venues. So uh, big shout-out to those schools and those coaches and those kids that uh, – that had success this year and, and brought home state titles into our runner up and uh, in each of those classes. And most importantly, our officials who made it all happen. Uh, we were really proud of our crews and uh, a lot of smiling faces uh, on Saturday for sure. Yeah, I agree. And uh, you know, when we hit the playoffs, it's anybody's game. Any, any one of those teams could have been uh, a state champion in their, in their division. Um, but tell you what, Cleveland 13 and 0, the state title it was it was going to be tough for anybody to beat them on any any given day i could tell zach was enjoying the weather it's not like this back home yeah uh so zach uh you know i know just a little bit about you um but why don't you give us a little bit of background uh tell us where you're from how you got here how you became the the commissioner of officials here in new mexico you know it's been a really a very amazing journey uh from a very young age, we, we grew up uh, just south of Detroit, uh, where the Detroit River 
uh, meets Lake Erie, both my wife and I, and uh, growing up around sports. Uh, my dad was, uh, and, my, and his whole family was from Ohio. So you can imagine this past weekend was uh, kind of a big family rivalry game, Ohio State and Michigan. Uh, that goes back a long, long time. I grew up, for some reason, a big Michigan fan, and the rest of the family was Ohio State. And, uh, you know, really got started early. My dad was uh, an all-state wrestler and all-state football player, and, and uh, you know, he he really ingrained in me the idea of participating and competing and enjoying competing. And uh, at an early age, and you're going to hear me say this a lot, uh, you know, I had a very influential physical education teacher uh, in elementary school who was also our school's varsity girls basketball coach and uh, that other sport. And uh, he, he put his arm around me and he said, uh, hey, I need you to officiate in ninth grade. Uh, he did that, and, and he took a group of us, and we sat down in a little room uh, with the old VHS cassettes and what looked like Pong, the old video game with little uh, dots going around the screen showing positioning and angles and line of sight and, and all the pieces that go with it, and I was hooked. You know, 14 years old, and I was, I was hooked into to officiating. And for me, I was, I was blessed uh, to, to go right into coaching a high school sport uh, in college. Uh, at 19 years old, uh, in Michigan, sports seasons were different. So you could officiate in one season and coach in another. Uh, and, and I had the bug, and I've had the bug ever since. And, and that's been something that uh, has really been a blessing to be, to be able to go down the professional group path that I've gone down uh, and, and stay involved in, in officiating all along the way and learn and grow from a lot of really uh, very talented people. Uh, you know, I, I had a fun story the other day when we were talking with the folks, and we'll probably dig into this a little further. Uh, we were talking with the folks from the NFL, and, uh, you know, one of the stories that sticks out to me is the very first PE class that I took in college, the person teaching that class was Ron Winter, and he was a white hat at the time in the NFL. And, man, Monday morning was the best class in the world, 8 o'clock in the morning when Coach Winter would come in. And all you had to do was ask him one thing about the game the night before, and it was an hour's worth of uh, NFL stories, and uh, but it, it really made a, it left a good impression of just that brotherhood, sisterhood, and the camaraderie that goes with it. And so, for me, um, you know, coach early. Uh, I was an athletic director really early, about four years into teaching. Um, I, I landed with a really big high school uh, in Michigan, and uh, just run with it from there. Uh, being very involved in in our state association, the MHSAA at the uh, at the time out there. Uh, those folks, you know, took me under their wing, and I had a chance to really do a lot of uh, great things with with that organization. Um, and like everything else in the world, it's about working hard and doing the right thing, and and uh, networking. And and so, some people knew some people, and uh, uh, I was introduced to the opportunity here in New Mexico, and and Sally and I met, and it felt like a good fit for me, and clearly it felt like a good fit for her, and and here we are, and we're really excited to. To be here. Where, where did you go to school? I went to Western Michigan uh, University, which is uh, for those of you that know the hand very well, it's on the spot on the exact opposite side of the state, uh, close to Lake Michigan, about a half hour or forty-five minutes from from there. And so, th- is this your your first uh, job as a commissioner? Um, how, how did you come about, you know, getting get into the position where you're at? Yeah, that's, that's correct. So, um, you know, over the years, I've had the opportunity to be in the conversation uh, with with some of the openings at the MHSA. Uh, the most recent one there uh, was for their uh, director of, of officiating. 
uh, and, you know, thrilled to, to have had the opportunity to learn a bit underneath, uh, Brent Rice. Uh, Brent came into the MHSAA, uh, knowing Mark Ewell very well, uh, through Major League Baseball's, uh, uh, umpire school. Uh, and so Brent was just a great fit for that. Uh, and, and, but it was neat to sit down and have so many conversations with Brent and share ideas and, and have that as somebody who's, who's a resource along with, you know, it, it's fantastic that Dana's at the NFHS, you know, so we've just got a toolbox of people that are, are just good connections and good people that bounce ideas off of and, you know, share the what works and what doesn't work and what have you tried and should we try it again, um, you know, to, to really grow this craft. I guess just like officiating the administration is just you need to get that mentor for those mentors uh, to get to where you want to go. You know, that's, that's a hundred percent. The truth is, is when you find someone who really has a lot of knowledge and experience and is willing to share that with you, uh, it's great to have that person on speed dial. And I mean, you guys know the best, the best learners out there are people who are naturally good teachers, uh, and naturally teach other people and you learn more by teaching more. Uh, and, and that's something that's been exciting to watch here in New Mexico is just how much teaching goes on, you know, and how much time, uh, guys and girls put into, into their rule books and, and their time together, uh, to, to really max out, uh, what we do and, and for a desire to really want to do it well, you know, uh, that's, that's exciting to watch. Well, you've been, uh, since the short time we've, we've known you in a few conversations we've had with you, you've really lent us your ear and, uh, you're, you're really soaking in, you know, what's going on here in the state of New Mexico. And uh, we appreciate that. And I personally think, I know Dennis is going to dig a little deeper into this, that we're in a officiating emergency right now. I think uh, recruitment is, uh, is, 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 we're struggling. We're struggling to keep officials. Um, I think we're at emergency status, you know, so um, that leads us into our next topic, which is recruitment and retention. Uh, yeah, Zach, I mean, I think we've talked, in depth with this, with you uh, in the past, um, over a couple of meetings on, on things that we're trying to do here in New Mexico and across the country with the help of the NFHS. Um, can you talk a little bit about that with your office on on, on your efforts uh, with retention and recruitment? You know, we are a service industry, and uh, service industries across the country, you name it, uh, are experiencing shortages. Um, you know, and, and it's unfortunate to say, but the last time that officiating nationwide didn't, uh, see low numbers was when we had economic difficulties and people needed additional sources of income. And, and, and I think that correlates across all of the service areas and service industries, you know, so we're going to have a percentage of folks that do this because they really enjoy it. It's a passion. It's a way to give back. It's a way to stay connected to sports that they enjoy. Uh, sometimes it's going to be because they've got family members that are involved, whether it's a son or a daughter or a niece or nephew, uh, or, or maybe an, a parent that has officiated or coached and got them involved. And then we're going to have that percentage of people that do it for, you know, it's a means to a financial end. And those are all valuable things for us. Um, and so being able to meet the needs of, uh, all of the desires for people to be involved, I think is important. Um, there's no question that nationwide the average age of our officials continues to go up and the number of people that are coming in to fill in for retirements is getting smaller and smaller. Um, 
you know, that's, that's a nationwide issue. And, you know, one of the things that feels good, and I think is a direct reflection on just how well our organization takes care of each other and, and our people, uh, is that our numbers are better than the national average. Um, you, you know, when you look at the national average being around 30% of a reduction in the last three to four years, um, across the board, we're in that kind of 15 to 20% range, um, a little higher in some sports, but a little less than others. Um, and certainly the pandemic, you know, we keep talking about how that has, has, uh, for a variety of reasons, caused people to, to need to step back, whether it's, you know, family choice or personal choice. And, and, and those are all very valid reasons as this pandemic is a very real thing for people. Um, how do we balance all of that? How do we get our, our younger generation involved and get hooked, you know, the way that I'm sure the three of us have similar stories on how we got started and, and somebody putting their arm around us and saying, Hey, you need to come join this. This is a great uh, activity to be involved in. So we're targeting uh, our schools right now that have curriculum embedded during the school day. Uh, we want to do more to grow that. Um, I've had some experience in that uh, where I came in Michigan from Michigan and it was really highly successful. Kids were really interested in it. And so we have some, some ideas that I think we can expand upon to really continue to grow that. Uh, we had a meeting last week. We've got a task force of, of a number of leaders. Uh, and when I say those leaders, they're school district uh, folks, they're a- athletic directors, they're assigners, they're officials, uh, our youth community rec- directors. Um, and, and a couple of our colleges and universities have all come to the table and come together twice now to really brainstorm how we can target our younger generation to get involved. And so this school curriculum piece is one. Uh, we've got a group that's, that's essentially going to be just like we, you would see at a school. It's going to be a curriculum writing team. And we're going to get together and help develop a, a packaged program that we can share with schools then uh, to, to help develop and grow that and various ways that they can embed that into their school day or before school or after school. Our colleges and universities um, are really starting to see the importance of getting back on board with this, uh, which we're really very excited about, uh, the, the idea of being able to rejuvenate uh, once was a very strong pipeline uh, coming out of our colleges. Um, uh, West, uh, New Mexico State sat down with us uh, at, at our first meeting, uh, and Scott Noble from uh, Western New Mexico uh, came in, flew into town, and met with us to talk about uh, what he can do to assist. Um, sports officiating is actually still in the curriculum uh, at Western New Mexico as part of the physical education program, and he has two scholarships available that he wants to target towards young people coming out of high school that have a desire to be an official and want to go pursue a physical education degree. He's got full ride scholarships available for that. Um, so we're going to do some things to help uh, promote that uh, and get those into the hands of our athletic directors and, and other school counselors and administration to help drive some, some new kids and, and younger people into to the profession. You know, one of the things we look at there is that the school-based piece our high school kids that we're going to target as officials are in season. So it's hard for them to be in season in school and also go out and, and, and work uh, middle school events or youth events. But at the same time, there are some things that we can do to embed that um, and show some models to schools on how they can use it. But more importantly, hopefully get that hook into those high school kids so that then they go do it in college. And for those that aren't going to have the opportunity to participate at the next level as a college athlete, to get involved as a, as an official intramural programs, community youth rec, 
and and our high school programming. And so we're hoping that by coming from all those angles and getting all those people on board with the same idea, uh, that, that we can start to bring some new people into the fold uh, and really expand on it. That is cool. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's new to us. Yeah. I mean, uh, we knew that a program like that um, has existed in other parts of the country, but we just didn't know it existed here in New Mexico. Um, so once we get them in, um, you know, it's great. They got a scholarship, but there's always a cost to start up as a, as a new official, and, and it's not cheap. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head, and and that's you. We must have planned this out ahead of time to talk about it because that's one of the areas that uh, we've talked about um, in terms of how to incentivize this a little bit. It's expensive for kids to get started and new people to get started uh, in the profession. Imagine being a baseball or softball umpire. The amount of gear you have to buy from chest protectors to shoes to shin guards and all the things that go with it. If you're a soccer official the multiple uniform changes you have to have on any given day uh, to meet with your crew, a football official, you know, your flags and your beanbags and your hats and, and cold weather gear and warm weather gear and all the stuff that goes with it, right? Four or $500 easy for someone to really break in and get started. And so one of the things that uh, I put on the list to start really is to build a grant foundation uh, where our first time officials can apply uh, for some grant money to get started. Uh, and, uh, so it's still a work in progress. I'm still writing what that grant application will look like. Um, and more importantly, I want to make sure that we can set up, uh, kind of an ongoing funding opportunity, you know, take a page out of the AD book, right. Where we find those corporate donors or that person in the community who is into the philanthropic, uh, opportunities and, and says, Hey, you know, high school sports is, and youth sport is important to me. And I understand we need officials. So I'm happy to help pitch into to that cause. And so our goal would be to have somewhere between two and $500 grants uh, for first time officials of any age, not just our, our high school and college students coming out um, who, who need some have financial help to get started. Uh, but I'd even like to take it a step further. I mean, we talk about you invest finance uh, into growth and any business has got to build some investment into what they want to do to grow. And so I think about possible incentive ideas of, you know, you, you as officials, if you go out and recruit one or two people, I'm going to waive your registration fee this year. You go out and recruit five people, I'm going to give you a $100 gift certificate to Smitty so that you can refresh your shoes or, you know, you know another new shirt. You know, and if you're somebody who's kind of that platinum donor, so to speak, that platinum recruiter, so to speak, maybe we come up with something even a little, a little more incentivizing. Uh, as I've shared this, I've had some guys that I've said this to, and they said, you know, I wouldn't even keep the money. I'd just give my money towards, towards that new official, Absolutely. you know? And so, you know, there's going to be some people out there who do that same thing. And, and that's good, right? Um, there's some guys that are going to, and gals that are going to be incentivized by, you know, going out and finding some people and, and getting some friends to sign up. Um, we've seen, a nice turn in our first three now going on four weeks. Uh, one of the things we launched almost a month ago uh, is two free registrations for every athletic director in the state to go get anybody. Use them for your students. Use them for a coach on 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 your staff. Use it for that mom or dad who seems to be a really good official from the front row, right? Uh, maybe they can be a really good official from the sideline. Uh, and, and get them started and get them involved. And in just that first uh, three and a half, four weeks now, we've had 35 new registrations in various sports. 
which is really exciting because we, we haven't really publicized it a lot other than to share it, uh, you know, in, in some emails to our ADs and, and uh, at some notes at, at some end of meetings. So I think the more we package this up and, and really build upon it, we've had some neat ideas coming from the membership. Um, uh, just at the volleyball finals last uh, uh, two weekends ago now, uh, one of our football officials who also officiates volleyball came to me and said, hey, I'd love to be a part of helping out with this recruiting idea. Let's set up booths at all of our state finals and maybe even some of our big events, and I'll help staff it. I'll help find people who will staff it with me uh, to, to catch those kids at state finals and at, at some of our larger events to come and, and be involved. So there, I think there's a lot of really good ideas out there. Uh, it's a matter of the marketing that goes with it, you know, and how we get that information out to people uh, and and uh, have them be excited. Um, you know, maybe I'm going to jump the gun here. This might be on your list of questions, but, uh, you know, we just got in a conversation with the NFL. Um, and I uh, hinted at this just a couple minutes ago. Um, last Monday, we had our first meeting with uh, the Grassroots Initiative. And the NFL has a vested interest in the same thing, right? Uh, we need a pipeline of, of the next generation to replace the retirees. And so they'd like to target uh, folks that uh, we see as our up and coming shining stars that could land in an NFL hat someday. Uh, and, and certainly with some emphasis on uh, female and minority and, and uh, socioeconomic status, ways that they can assist and way they, ways they can help. And so our early conversations have been centered around, um, what are the easy things they can do for us? Uh, and that's as simple as providing some of their, uh, officiating talent to join us in our professional development opportunities. Uh, we have so many great professional development opportunities at our camps. You know, you two host a great, a great camp. Uh, there's a couple other good camps that go on during, uh, that period of time. And the NFL wants to be involved in that. That's a good period of time for them to have their people come in and be guest speakers or jump in on some of our zoom calls that we have. Uh, when they're out of season and, and they have a, a very strong interest in wanting to be a part of that, they want to seek out their next NFL official, right? And, and the NCAA is, the, is in the same, uh, in the same conversation with, with their need. Um, as you guys well know, you know, um, moving up that ladder and having the people that have, um, the skill set and the, the desire and the qualities to, to move to that level are the leaders in our state. And, and we need to grow that population. So they have a vested interest in us growing our entire population. Yeah, I think we had four or five New Mexico high school officials that uh, were promoted and received one or two games in the Division Two and junior college this year. Um, yeah, that's exciting. Yeah, that's, that's... All you're talking about is exciting. I mean, it's just to have the NFL, you know, in just have that name associated with uh, – you know, recruiting efforts and such is, you know, and not all of us are out there recruiting all the time. I, I drive up and get coffee sometimes and I'll see a young man or a young woman and I'll start talking to them. I mean, I recruit honestly seven days a week, but to have incentives for guys who are like, you know, on the fence, whether they should recruit or not, I think everything you're doing so far sounds fantastic and I appreciate it. Yeah. I mean, um, just, the little things of just waiving fees. Um, yeah. You know, one thing when you said that, um, I don't know if you thought about the, the second fee for the second sport uh, for the two or three sport officials where they pay, you know, the main sport and then they pay a redu redu uh, reduction for the second sport. Um, 
you know, I'm, I don't know if that's something that you've talked about as far as retention issues on, on how much your current officials are paying. But, um, you know, these are, these are new programs. They're exciting. Um, I know we did a lot of research on the grassroots program. We talked a little bit uh, on our previous podcast with Dana Pappas from the NFHS. Um, she's really excited about it. Um, but we do have some, some other programs that uh, the animal OA is involved in, like Battlefields to Ballfields. Do you know what, what the state of that program is with, with your office? Yeah, you know, another another fantastic opportunity to get people involved. Um, you know, and I think we can do more to, to promote it and, and celebrate it. But um, for, for those folks that are listening in, the Battlefields the ball, uh, Ballfields program is for our, our service veterans um, and a way to get them connected. And that's another grant opportunity uh, where – Folks can can apply, and there's a the website battlefields to ball fields. It's not uh, run by us as as the NMA or the NMOA. Uh, it is a, a separate nonprofit organization, but they have uh, again grant opportunities where where veterans can apply and and receive help with with funding. The way it kind of works on the front end is is they would pay their registration, they would purchase their gear and all the things that they would need, but then they can apply to that program to have that all reimbursed, uh, which again, it's just another great opportunity for people. And I, and I think we can do more to, to uh, get that information out there. Um, you know, and there's other ways for people to get involved in that. Uh, if, if people want to be a part of it or even donate to that cause um, around their communities. And I think there's a lot more we can do to help sell uh, the importance of, of that program. Um, especially when you look at all the initiatives that, that go on around the country you know, we, you know, we talk about the shield, you know, the NFL has an entire mo- a month where we celebrate and deservedly. So, uh, our, our veterans and our military folks. Um, and so can we embed this program, uh, more into the public eye, uh, and, and take advantage of that, uh, resource and opportunity for the, for those people too. Yeah. And I think that, um, we have put a lot of effort into the recruitment here through your office. Um, we put a lot of effort into retaining officials, but uh, we do lose officials each year to uh, injuries, retirement, uh, moving out of state for employment. Um, you know, so we're, we're trying to hit that retention goal also and keep the officials that we do have, the first through third-year officials, trying to get them over that third-year hump, uh, get them trained, and uh, get them to stay here and, and, and advance in the high school ranks um, up to the varsity level and, and into college. So I think, um, I think when, when you came to, to Albuquerque and to the NMOA, um, Ken and I, we threw a whole bunch on your plate at one time uh, saying, hey, this is what we're doing and we need your, we need your support. Um, but it's all... Uh, for the effort of the, of the greater good for the, for those officials and those student athletes in New Mexico. So uh, one of the things that, that we did throw at you was the new NMOA huddle count in the film uh, that we received this year. And uh, that was brand new for us. I'm not sure how much you, you had dealings with the huddle um, account where you came from, but uh, if you'd like to talk a little bit about, 
the training efforts, I guess, um, and the valuation process through the huddle account that we implemented this year for, for the officials and the coaches out there? You know, I start by saying kudos to, to the NMOA. Uh, and Dennis, I know you and Ken both led, led a lot of the charge on, on this when it first started. Uh, where I came from, huddle was required for our coaches. Every, every school in the conference and, and all, and I was involved in three different conferences in Michigan, were required to use huddle as their film exchange. Uh, that's pretty common that there's a film exchange requirement uh, in, in most of high school football, usually the week leading into, and, and sometimes it becomes a who you know and whether or not you're in the circle or in the club as to how easy it is to get film. And as a method to combat that a little bit, um, our groups had come together and said, look, everybody's using huddle anyway let's just make it mandatory that that's going to be our film exchange platform. And so, you know, once we pushed everybody into that world, um, they really saw the convenience and the gamesmanship and some of the things that went with that went away. Uh, and, um, you know, some of that concern about games even being broadcast, right? You know, we were on the ground floor of, of the NFHS network getting started and uh, of more than any sport, football was really kind of apprehensive that, Oh, as a coach, you're going to be able to see my game every week. And and we just kind of said to people, you know, with the advent of YouTube and everybody in a cell phone, they're going to see your game every week anyway. There's somebody in the crowd that's filming that game and putting it out there for people to see. And and once you embrace that technology and embrace that opportunity, you're going to see that there are far more positive uh, benefits to being a part of, of using that system. So when I got here and heard that that's what we were doing from an officiating perspective, uh, and, and that it had been approved to be used and, and was required and that it wasn't required for our schools from a coaching perspective. I was actually a little surprised that, that our coaches side of things, uh, wasn't using that. Um, but at the same time, I heard that our coaches had really were in favor of it from a majority standpoint. Uh, and, and so it was nice to see that transition over the course of the fall, that as we saw the success and the use of the program for the officials, uh, the coaches saw it too. And, and midway through the season, it, it went to referendum vote. And, and was included to be a mandatory requirement for all schools to to submit to have coach access as well, um, which I, I think is is really very positive. And, and to me, the measuring stick was an email we got probably three weeks ago now where an official just unsolicited reached out and said, I'm so appreciative of this huddle program. You know, before it was sometimes schools would send it in and I might get to see maybe 12 games um, including the ones that I worked over the course of the year. And he said by his estimation, he had watched over 900 snaps this year and sitting down and breaking down film and being able to see the games and study and prepare uh, for the next opponent or maybe somebody that he or she has on the schedule two or even three weeks from now if we get that far, that lucky to be three weeks out in scheduling. Um, you know, we're taking it serious. And, and the tool is so easy to use. Uh, that, that it's been nice to see that. I've gone to some group meetings and seen them pull huddle up and use huddle uh, and use that film in their position meetings. Um, and, and so it's, it's the, the positives have been so abundant and, and obvious. To be honest with you, I haven't heard anything negative. Maybe you guys have, but um, I haven't. No, no, and, no. and that's been great. Yeah, not really. Honestly, you use some words like accountability, sportsmanship, behavior. As officials, we noticed that the huddle film, the mandatory film being turned in, kind of put everybody on notice that 
now every one of your games, every play is going to be on film. And it kind of kept, I think the behavior and the accountability has improved. So as an official, I appreciate that. Number two is we weren't getting enough film. We weren't being able to break down film. We weren't be able to look at ourselves on film. So, you know, we kind of did it as a selfish thing and it turned out into this, you know, this bigger thing than what we had anticipated. So, uh, you know, as an official, I love it. Yeah. And, you know, I, um, I spent a lot of hours on the, on the animal a huddle count and, um, filtering through a lot of the film, um, you know, one thing that I did see that I'm not sure how much of an effect it has had on the NMOA evaluators and getting in uh, clips and concerns from coaches about uh, certain plays that they want evaluated. Um, but if you could talk a little bit about the huddle account value, uh, evaluation compared to uh, an arbiter evaluation or evaluation by a signer, and if you see huddle going into a direction of uh, being used uh, for a official evaluation on on a on official for, I guess their or playoff games or their something. playoff their their playoff yeah just like they, you know in a couple of years their their mandatory camps are going to go towards their playoff um, eligibility is what I'm looking for. Yeah, I think there's a lot of opportunity there. Uh, you know, Dennis, you touched on it. You've spent a lot of time on it. For those that don't know, Dennis is kind of our, uh, he's the man behind the curtain uh, when it comes to keeping Huddle organized. Uh, we get a weekly email from Dusty and uh, Dusty Young and I both get a weekly email from Dennis if there's a school that hasn't turned their information in yet, uh, which helps us turn that around faster and get it uploaded so that our officials have access to it. Um, that, that's really been huge. And and you you, you touched on it that our coaches are seeing the value in that, right? Uh, when they have a, a, a play that they weren't sure about or uh, they want us to take a look at uh, an ejection or a call that was made or maybe not made, um, we've got a nice system set up for some third-party evaluators that can sit down with that film then and just give us an unbiased opinion on what they thought was there or wasn't there. Uh, and that report goes back to the school and it also goes to the officiating crew. And, uh, you know, I, I will tell you the, the, the crews have been appreciative of that feedback, right? Um, I used to say this all the time as a coach. I used to tell my players, Hey, the day you can complain about officiating is the day you play a perfect game, right? Uh, there isn't a, a soul out there, uh, who, who has called in the perfect game, who's playing the perfect game, who's coached the perfect game. Um, and, and so there's always areas that we can go back and reflect on and say, what could I do a little better and, and uh, uh, what can I improve upon? Or oh, I didn't see that in real time or I missed this. There's so much to watch, right? I mean, there's, there's so many things to see on, on the field and uh, in play. And so I, I think that becomes a very it, – it's like the advent of the replay, right? At first it was, oh, I don't know how I feel about replay and challenge flags and things like that in, in professional collegiate sports. But what it's done is it's given us the opportunity to sit down and get it right. And, and you know, I see this as our high school version of that. You know, certainly we're not going to throw challenge flags in, 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 in the high school setting, uh, you know, for a variety of reasons. Um, but certainly that ability to go back and reflect and look and see, you know, what can I do different? How can I position better? 
uh, hey, I was really on top of this one. You know, for for all the times that, you know, there are times where a coach will put one in and say, I, I think this was wrong and that was wrong and this was wrong and that was wrong. And then the evaluator comes back and says, well, actually, this was right and that was right and this was right. And yep, that one was wrong. And and so it adds some credi- credibility to some of those things. Sometimes people are learning that they've been interpreting the rules wrong all along, both from the official's standpoint and from the coach's standpoint. You know, and so to me, that's that measuring stick of, of learning, right? That, uh, that, that we're finding things that um, become great discussion points. Uh, you know, I think of some of the plays that have happened this year uh, that we've been able to share that huddle clip and go, everybody check this one out. We've actually added that to our monthly meeting uh, where we're doing a you make the call in, in every sport. And football's made it really easy because we've got all of our huddle clips that we can sit down and, and pull one up and, and really break it down together statewide. Right? That's the other thing that I think is important about uh, the use of the software is it gives us the ability to, to sit online in a Zoom meeting, pull up a huddle film of a, of a play that's recent or maybe last year or something that really hits home with us because it's our kids and it's our coaches and it's our officials. And we're looking at it and going, okay, there's a real-time moment. That's just not something I'm seeing on TV uh, from a college or professional standpoint. Here's something that really happened. What was right? What did we get? What didn't we get? And, and how can we make it better? And, and people, I think, really appreciate that opportunity because it's a safe environment, right? Um, you know, it's easy. To, we're a lot of A-type people involved in athletics, and it's easy to get defensive if somebody questions what you do and how you do it, right? Uh, and, and just setting up that air of it's a safe place to help make each other better, I think, is really key uh, in, in this. And whether that can lead to more of a, of a formal evaluation system, whether we can embed this into how you earn your state playoff rankings, I think the sky's the limit uh, on bringing some people together and talking about uh, the evolution uh, of what we have. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, personally that until I saw myself on film, I wasn't sure how I looked mechanic-wise, and I'm like, oh, my God, I need a lot of work. For some reason, though, the film adds five pounds or 15 pounds more on me than it does most other people. So, you know, there's some aspects of the film that I don't really appreciate, but um, <laughs> it's there. The film doesn't lie, Ken. The film does not lie. I was waiting for Zach to bail me out on that one, but I don't think he's got it. Yeah. So, I'll let you dig your own hole. <laughs> so, I mean, I think, I think uh, the officials have appreciated it. Um, you know, I think as far as the mandatory film, submission film to, to the huddle account, um, I I think we were close to 100% of every coach that was supposed to send it in, sent it in um, a couple of days late, but so most of the time they, okay. they sent it in yeah. with the friendly reminder and, and uh, the officials got the information they needed. Um, you know, I got emails sending me film. I don't have time to watch it all. And I'm like, well, it's there when you need it, boys. So, um, and ladies. So, uh, again, this will continue next year uh, is, is the feedback I'm getting. And um, we just go on to the next step to make this program better. Yeah. Should we get to the white elephant in the room or you want to keep glossing around we're, it? We're keep glossing around it. Okay. Um, you know, we already talked about the state championships. People uh, think the season's over, but it's not. We have one more game to play, the North-South All-Star game. There's two games down in Roswell this Saturday, December 4th, 
at uh, Wu Bowl. Uh, there will be a central region and a southeast region crew that will go work those games. Um, congratulations to those officials. Uh, I'm not sure who got assigned, but I'm sure Zach knows. He's the commissioner. He's just not spilling the beans yet. Well, congrats to those guys. I'm sure they deserve it. Yep. And so that, that one's that one's still in progress. That one's still uh, in the staffing mode. So you should see some names uh, shortly on uh, on that. We'll get those uh, we'll get those out to everybody. Uh, you know the the exciting part. You know, the, the coaches association uh, Buster brought that uh, that proposal forward uh, at the beginning of the year this year to move that uh, all star game to during the school year, and that was really looked upon favorably. Um, you know, it, it just makes sense for those kids to come right out of their season while they're still in game shape uh, to, to come out and, and, and play that game. And from a safety standpoint, uh, I think it makes a lot of sense. It works pretty well with uh, with the calendar, uh, you know, and that because football had been moved back a couple of weekends not that long ago, it's only been a couple of years uh, since the football finals were really into December. Um, you know, it really doesn't interfere as much with the start of, of our winter sports seasons for those kids that are, are dual and three sport athletes. Uh, so it, it's, it's, uh, it's exciting to see how that's going to turn out, uh, this weekend and, you know, congratulations to all those kids and those coaches that are going to be a part of it. Uh, and our two crews that are, are going to be down there for that this weekend. Yeah. I wish I could make it, but, uh, I have other plans. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to go as well. No, really I did. If I didn't have any plans, I'd be down there watching the game. That's a cool facility. I was offer, I was given the opportunity to call a semifinal game a couple of years ago down there. And it was, it was absolutely fantastic. Uh, great fans down there. Yeah, I agree. Um, I was down there for a game this, I think a quarterfinals this year and, and, and I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the trip, uh, hospitality by, by the schools down there and, Game was fun to officiate. So, uh, but we'll get to one of the uh, two last topics. This goes with retention. It's a big issue. Um, we we have seen the numbers on on this from the NFHS, and it goes back to the officials' pay and the process on on who pays our game fees and man, how do we get a raise? Yeah, and we're talking nationwide here. We're not talking just yeah. locally, uh, regional. Uh, yeah. We saw the numbers nationwide, and New Mexico is towards the bottom of that uh, that list. So um, it is a topic that needs to be brought up. Yeah, and, and, and I don't think we have time to get into the weeds. Um, I know that we've talked about this before. There's a lot of layers to this. Um, who votes on it? Who Who brings it to the board? The schools are involved. The ADs are involved. Um, Zach, what do you think? I think like anything else, right, we have natural inflation on, on life. Uh, you know, we I, I just read a post from one of my friends uh, uh, back in the Detroit area who uh, runs a uh, his own landscaping business, and he just sent a message to all of his uh, clients that said, Hey, snow is coming. The season is coming. And I've been trying really hard to keep my prices fair. He said, but gas is going up again and, and uh, it's going to trickle down. It's going to trickle down to, to the consumer. And uh, that in and of itself, when we look at the miles and the distance we have to travel, 
for for our officials to get the games and the length of time it takes. They've got to take time off of their regular day jobs to, to go do this. I think sometimes sometimes people maybe lose sight of the fact that our officials, that this is their hobby. This is their for fun on the side, their give back. Maybe it's a little bit of part-time money on the side. Um, you know, but more often than not, uh, that money is really just offsetting the costs they have to even be involved in it. And so what's that balance point of it being affordable? Because for our schools, the same thing is happening. The cost of everything is going up. The cost of getting their kids to the games on the away games is going up because the wage of that driver and the cost of the fuel to put in the bus is going up as well. And so there's a balance point there of, of, uh, what makes the most sense for everybody. I know one of the things that, uh, that I'm interested in and I've, I'm going to put together and start on the beginning stages of putting a committee together is to look at what those overall fees are. Um, you know, when, when we look at an example of a school that borders, we'll use Texas as an example and the same JV football game, uh, five miles away pays $20 more per game. Um, you know, that's, that's competition. That's competition for the commodity. And, and so what are we doing to align and make sure that it's, that it's fair for all of our people? Um, you know, one of the ideas we're going to really explore is, is, uh, the idea of mileage rings. Um, you know, I know some of the things that I hear some feedback on is, uh, you know, we require that one person is driving a full crew of people and that one person is, is receiving a mileage check for the round trip portion of it. Uh, but then it's this kind of gentleman's agreement, gentle person's agreement that, uh, the driver is going to pay for food and some of the other things that go with that. And, and I look at that and I go, can we do that better? Right. Are the things that we can do to, to, uh, while we would love for our officials to ride together, we're in a pandemic. Does it make sense to put a whole crew in a car together for a four hour drive and one person test positive and now we've just quarantined an entire crew or worse risk somebody's health and safety out of, out of a requirement. And, and so do we want to look at some things that, um, could help spread that around just a little bit? Um, and maybe mileage rings is a way to do it. You know, maybe we're taking a, uh, let's say for example, there's a hundred dollar, uh, mileage, uh, check that's going to one person in the group. Maybe we need to look at raising that mileage up to 150 for the school, but now we're spreading that out amongst everybody on the crew. Um, so that it's still legitimately covering the fuel to get there. Um, but now maybe everybody on the team gets a little more money for it and it's not overly taxing our schools. So some things like that that we want to sit down and study uh, to see if it makes more sense uh, to be fair and equitable for not only the officials working the games, but also something that our schools can, can afford too. Yeah, that's fair enough. I like it. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I'm happy with that answer. Yeah. I wish you would have said no. We're giving you a raise. Would, uh, would you January tell January first? But would, would you, know. you tell him if you're unhappy with his answer? Oh yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Just just making sure. <laughs> yeah, he's 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 on a Zoom. Uh, you know, thirty miles from me. He can't reach me. <laughs> no. So you know, Zach, we appreciate your time. We don't want to take up uh, too much of your time, but uh, yeah, hold we, on. How, how does no, your hold on? No, hold on. No, 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 you're not asking. Okay, that. go ahead. I just wanted to ask if his wife is, you know, how, how she likes New Mexico and, you know, and how is she adjusting to the move? That's all. You know, it's fantastic. We came out here, just the two of us and our dog. Uh, we have lived uh, far away from where the rest of our family was before when we lived out east for a stretch out in, in New Hampshire. So 
you know, FaceTime and Zoom meetings and, and airplane flights are, are not too terribly bad. She's landed an awesome position uh, right near our house here. Uh, so she gets to come home for lunch every day and see the dog. And so professionally, she's uh, thrilled to death with it. You can't beat the sunsets. You can't beat the temperature. We, I, I was wearing shorts last Saturday when I played golf. Uh, in the middle of the day, that doesn't happen where we came from. So, and she's an avid golfer too. So, there's uh, definitely a lot of very great things going on for us here, and uh, and we do everything together. So, uh, it's, uh, it's exciting. It's a great place to be. I'm glad she likes it because we're going to keep you here for a while. So, that's yeah, great. we're waiting to meet her also. So, um, planning on it. <laughs> yeah, it, it might snow between now and March, maybe once. So don't hold your breath. Um, well, we can always drive to the mountains if we need to get that fixed. Yeah. That's true. That's true. <laughs> yeah. So, so just to give you one last topic, and and just give us one thing uh, from the commissioner's um, office that you see for the twenty twenty two twenty twenty three football season. It's only eight months away, so we gotta get ready. Yeah, that's that's true. You know, uh, everything we've talked about today is uh, is is one thing uh, moving forward uh, to to the future. Um, for me, it would be um, uh, that mission of that continued growth to help our profession excel. And you know, we really didn't touch much on this conversation here, but I think it's a a a, a cause and a, a topic that needs to continue to have that promotion. And, and hopefully the pandemic has taught uh, this tolerance, so to speak, uh, a little bit more than what we've paid attention to. But that's just the fact that we, we need to treat each other well. And, and one of the things that definitely drives people out of the service industry is when they're not treated well. And, and there's so many little things that we can do to, to change that narrative and change that perspective. You know, our, our, our first message went out to the ADs around appreciation week. And, and it started long before that. It started in August where we said there are little things we can do to make those people that are giving so much of their time to other people's kids, uh, to, to make them feel welcome from the snack that's waiting for them to greeting them there at the, at the table to expecting as an AD that your coaches, uh, are, are going to treat your officials. Well, I had an awesome conversation with a football coach today who said, you know, that's just, that's what we expect. We're there and, and my coaches know that, that we don't say anything negative of officials and it's part of the game and we're going to go on and, and we're out here trying to do the same thing for the same reason and that's give kids opportunity. But the stories that we hear around some of our youth sport where somebody comes out of the stands and puts their hands on an official, those days need to go. And our, our communities need to understand that that sort of behavior is going to run the risk of their kids not having opportunities to play games because there aren't going to be enough people around for those games to go on. And I think the more that we can get that message out of this is not win at all costs. This is not the end of the world or the start of something brand new for, for kids from an economic standpoint on very many occasions. There's a small percentage where it might be a game changer, but for the rest of us, it's about life lessons. Is that life lesson? scream at somebody because you don't like what they just did on a field or is that life lesson learning to appreciate and understand that we're all doing the same thing and nobody's going to play or coach or participate in a perfect game. And so it's, it's time to see it for what it is. And so I think if we can get that message out and continue to, to sell that, that we're all doing the same thing for the same reason. And that's for the benefit of our kids, 
that that certainly can help slow down some of the loss in some of our uh, participation that we have. If he had a standing ovation sound effect, he'd put it on right now. Oh, I think so. So that was fantastic. Yeah, and I think you, you hit hit uh, hit it when you said uh, this is for the, the kids, the student athletes. Uh, officiating is a business, and our customer is a student athlete and their coach, right? Uh, so before you go, we have uh, Dan Ford on the hook for our next podcast. Dan Ford was the uh, NMOA sports uh, history. Yeah, uh, guru, I yeah, guess. Record keeper. Yeah. He wrote two books. Um, but just to end this podcast, uh, it's about the students. Las Unas won their first ever state championship uh, title at the 5A level Saturday. Um Congratulations to them. They they were runner-ups the last two years, and they finally got over that hump, and, and they won a big one. Um, and that's big for that community. That's yeah. a small community. Good for them. In, April, in, in the spring season, uh, on April 3rd, 2021, Luke Winsong, uh, Cleveland versus Las Cruces, had five touchdown receptions, and he's in the record book, tied for number one. I think that's right. Um in October 2nd, 2021, Hope Christian versus Puake, uh, we had a 53-yard field goal. Uh, he's in the record book um, at number 10. Is that nationally, you mean? No, this is New Mexico, yeah. New Mexico record, uh, NFHS record. That long of a field goal only ranks top 10? Top 10. Wow, the good record, for him, though, the man. record's what? Woo. 58? 58, I think. Wow. Yeah, um, on September 3rd, 2021, Zach Thomas, Kirtland Central versus uh, Taos, um, he scored 48 points in a game by himself. Uh, September 23rd, 2021, Darren Gallegos, West Las Vegas versus Alamosa, he scored 48 points in the game. They're tied for number number three for individual records of scoring. Um, Good for them. Most points in a game by both teams this year ranked uh, in the record book at number four with 127 total points. Arteza had 69 points versus Lovington with 58 points. Um, I'm not sure what what date that game was played on, but um, most rushes, most rushing touchdowns at number three with seven touchdowns. Um, Alexander, Alexavier. Uh, Surian Jal versus Texaco, August 20th, 2021. And he also is in the record book with 395 rushing yards at number nine. 395. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And then... Hold on. That young man slept good that night. (laughs) I mean, come on. (laughs) And then Zach Thomas uh, with seven touchdowns. Kirtland versus Taos on September 3rd, 2021. He's tied uh, number three in the record book. So... It looks like the, this was one of the seasons of uh, records for these young student athletes. Congratulations to those guys. We'll talk more about um, each one. Hopefully we can get some more stats on them on, on how their season went when uh, we have Dan Ford uh, on our podcast next.
Hey, Zach, we appreciate your time. I, I know you're a busy man and everybody, you get pulled in all these different directions, but for you to take the time to spend an hour with us, man, I really appreciate it. I, I'm thrilled that you've had me. Uh, you guys, uh, you guys do a fantastic job, and I love listening to you. And I know uh, uh, how many states is it now? Uh, that that, that uh, what, what's the stat? Oh, the number of states that you're in, and 49 out of 51, including the DC District of Columbia. Um, so those two that haven't tuned in. He wants me to take a personal road trip and talk to the governor. Yeah, I mean that's 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 how bad he wants to get all all the states involved, but. But we well, the National Athletic Directors Conference is coming up in like two weeks, and it's going to be in Denver. So you tell me who I need to talk <laughs> to, and I'll, I'll hand them a business card. <laughs> yeah, there's uh, what? How many countries? Forty oh, different countries. Yeah. Uh, Six hundred and forty-nine cities, U.S. cities, I think, and yeah. forty-nine states. No, it's been great. We're we're very fortunate. We, and we just did it because we love football. No, nothing else. No hidden agenda. Just because we love football and we weren't getting enough of it, so it's pretty cool. But yeah, thank thanks to you, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, we have we've had some great speakers, um, guest speakers um, that donated an hour of their time, and we appreciate all of them. We hope everyone has had a uh, happy Thanksgiving and Merry Christmas, and Zach. Ken and all the officials out there, enjoy your off season this year and good luck on the field.